0: Welcome to MLR Kickoff Episode 39 with your hosts, Dan Power and Pete Steinberg, and our all Major League Rugby award winners. Hey, folks, welcome. It's the MLR Accolades
1: Edition as we will jump into a bunch of interviews into this. So it will be our player of the year, Brad Tucker, who I will talk to in just a moment. Paddy Ryan, who was Forward of the Year from San Diego Legion. JP Duplessis, who caught up with our producer Aaron Castro. And Rob Hoadley, Coach of the Year, also from San Diego, who sat down with Pete earlier today as well. But first, let's jump into our Player of the Year, who was from the Seattle Seawolves. It's Big Brad, Big Bad Brad Tucker. Some alliteration troubles for me right there. And I caught up with Brad just moments ago. All right, we are live now with Player of the Year for Major League Rugby in 2019, Brad Tucker from the Seattle Seawolves. Brad, thanks for joining us Uh, twice in two weeks. Lucky me.
2: Hey, lucky you, mate. Lucky you. Uh, You back from Alaska? Yeah, it's good to be back in Seattle. And how was the trip up there? Mate, it was good. Apart from, uh, you know, I wasn't used to it not getting dark at all, but apart from that, uh, it was a great place.
1: Yeah, that's what that, the uh, the summers are long and the winters are short in terms of the days there. So I'm gonna have to get up there one uh, one of these days and check it out. But mate, let's uh, let's talk about your season, uh, your debut season in Major League Rugby. You came over here uh, off the back of playing to Mitre Ten over in New Zealand. Let's just talk about your journey leading into this year, mate. Talk me through getting to Seattle. Now, how did you get in contact? It was with Shalom, I believe. What you said yeah. got in contact.
2: Yeah, yeah. So um, a few years back, uh, obviously a bit younger coming up and um, was playing a lot of sevens and ended up getting an opportunity to play in the Hong Kong 10s with the Penguins and Lommy Lommy was playing and we sort of met each other and got on pretty well. Um, And then when MLR started kicking up, he sort of reached out and it it didn't work out last year, but we we kept in touch and then obviously uh, it worked out and here we are.
1: How close were you to coming over in 2018, that first
2: season? Ah, uh, there's definitely a lot of interest. Um, I just, you know, it's sort of the, the, the dates didn't quite work uh, with what I was trying to do with studies and whatnot then. So it, it was definitely close. Yeah. And
1: was it always going to be Seattle for you? Was there interest from other teams or was it always, you know, Seattle or nothing?
2: Uh, th- oh, for my end, it was definitely, it was just Seattle. Uh, I was just literally going through, the, through it all with Shalom. So it was uh, there was no chance that, jumping ship away from him once we'd start the initial conversations yeah so let's
1: talk about your year here you get to seattle and yep. then what are, what are your first impressions of the city and then of the team as well
2: uh well, i got here and obviously it was pretty chilly i just left uh the old crushish summer which was pretty gun and then um it was uh, it was cold and rainy but Oh, the city, you could see, was pretty good and we got put in a great spot. Um, we're straight into preseason the next day after arriving and a bit of travel that weekend. Um, got to see some pretty cool parts of the world straight away, which uh, I guess is a nice way to show up somewhere. So pretty much fell in love with the place straight away. Now,
1: were you here before the coaching, you know, merry-go-round started?
2: Yeah, I was here when uh, when... We were still waiting on the visa stuff. So um, that was obviously – that was interesting. But I think the, the team ended up handling it as well as they could and kept us informed and, um, you know, managed to, to pull it all together.
1: Yeah. And then, so Richie Walker comes up. He's a late addition. What was your first contact with Richie? What was that conversation like with you and Richie?
2: Um, hey, we just obviously met each other. He's, a, he's another Kiwi fella, So um, we went and had lunch um, and, and just chewed the fat and got to know each other a bit and then started talking a bit more about footy after that.
1: Now, let's have a look at some of your stats for this year, mate, because you know, no mean feat when you look at some of the other players in the league here to be named Player of the Year. Uh, the, the voting was very, very close between yourself, uh, Joe Peterson as well, and Tristan Blewett from New Orleans, so all three of you had fantastic years. But, mate, for you, absolute you know, machine defensively first was the one that stood out, 95.5% tackle rate efficiency. So, I mean... Is that something that you really pride yourself on in your games? You see yourself more of a defensive player, or is that just you know how
2: it worked out for you this year? Um, I think on defense, I just sort of uh, just more of a work rate based around there. Um, still trying to develop uh, that uh, real physical edge like that Appie and Samu were doing um, which I'd love to make more of a part of my game so for me it's more getting in there and, and, and making as many as I can and just giving those guys the opportunity to make the big hits when they can you know so for the entire season
1: Brad listen to this so your entire season how many tackles do you think you missed 18 games how many missed tackles
2: Ooh, uh, maybe
1: 18 maybe a few more I'm not sure 14 out of 18 games, 14 tackles. That's how many Shalom misses in a half, and you missed that <laughs> the entire season.
2: Uh, well, I'll take that. I know that's a pretty pretty true figure about Lomi too, so I'll take that, that as well. And now, ball in hand,
1: you weren't a slouch either. I know you had that personal uh, battle uh, in good fun with uh, your number eight, Ricard Hutting. You go 188 carries for over a kilometre of metres Uh, 1,072 metres gained on the year. It must have been nice, probably coming from a program where you were more role-based in New Zealand, correct me if I'm wrong, to where you had a little bit more freedom in Major League
2: Rugby to kind of carry and play a little ball. Yeah, I think um, definitely the structure is still a little bit stricter in in the minor team game than here. So it was nice to find yourself out on the edge. And um, you touched on, well, before we started the podcast, touched on uh, kicking and stuff. So just a bit more uh, opportunity to chuck some razzle in there, as we like to call it. Razzle dazzle, I like it. Cool.
1: <laughs> we, well, you, you were a little internally a little criticised for your kicking game, but uh, you know three kicks with seventy-seven meters, not not terrible for a, for a back rower. You going to yeah. add a little bit more into your game next year? Maybe a little chip and chase, a little banana kick. Yourself, yeah,
2: I wouldn't mind the way uh, Joey John's special with the banana kick, that would be, be bad. Do
1: yourself a favor, and uh, I don't know if you've seen it, but they had the behind the scenes of uh, Joey John's. Those of you don't know, Joey John's, Andrew John's, legendary rugby league player from Australia, and, and one of the absolute masters of the kicking game. He reinvented how, how the ball is kicked, in, in particular in rugby league, but it translated to rugby union as well. He's there with uh, Nathan Cleary doing some work on hitting the goalposts, just incredible watching him talk through what he's doing as he's taking the ball line and kicking as well. So maybe uh, Richie and, and, you know, the rest of the staff there probably don't want me to telling you to go watch that just in case. I'll check that out straight away, though. <laughs> so let's talk about some fun stuff from 2019. Obviously, the premiership's a big one. Going and winning the championship, it's got to be pretty special. But outside of Starfire, what was your favourite place to go and play, mate?
2: Outside of Starfire? It has, has to be... San Diego, San Diego's right up there. To be fair, um, you got both San Diego's, didn't you? Because you played in the
1: Quagmire Bowl, which was yeah. a torrential rain, and then you had the final, which was just gorgeous weather.
2: Yeah, and it was. I think close second, to Glendale Field um, is awesome as well. So they're both pretty awesome places to play rugby. Um, obviously, being from New Zealand, I love getting the chance to run around back on the grass too. Yeah,
1: yeah, that turf's an interesting introduction, isn't it? Well, it's fast, fast, but it's it's a bit different. Mm. Tell me about that championship, mate. Let's just talk about that again. How was that atmosphere compared to some other big games that you've played in?
2: It was up there. As I've sort of said all year, uh, with Starfire being so good, I mean, there you just could see, all you could see was red. Uh, And you could see the little square of Seattle on the far left-hand side of the stadium. So, you know, you look up and... You definitely knew that you were you were in their in their territory and were, were coming in. It was going to be tough. Um so I think it was as good a final atmosphere as, as you could have asked for, to be fair. And now
1: out of the tries you scored this year, you got a couple of tries. I think uh, let me just pull it up real quick. Seven tries. Bradley, seven tries. Oh my god. <laughs> How many JP end up with? Do you know? Oh,
2: I think him and Longs were both on five.
1: Ooh, ooh, that's a tough season for the Backs. Oh, they're know, not JP, happy. JP will say you had limited minutes early in the season, and that would be his excuse. But no excuses for Lommy on that one. But seven tries. Which one was
2: your favourite? Which one was my favourite? Um, jeez. Oh, it has to be the the one that I did the least on. I think the the one to win to win the to win the yeah. championship. It was it. Yeah, just getting the ball at the back of them all at the right time, Mark. Like, but it, there's no better feeling than scoring to win a game.
1: Yeah, I heard. Uh, Stephanus uh, Kutsi, is filthy at you. That's his job to shark the ball at the back there on those malls.
2: Well, geez, it wouldn't be a bad to have that all year and just rolling for nine tries or something that he got. I think.
1: Yeah, well, you got the uh, the butcher Dylan Force out in New York. That was their big strength, and he scored thirteen on the year. And I'm not too sure. I think a couple of them were in open field, but yeah, most of them on that rolling more. What about uh, what about your best game? Looking back at your 18 game, is there one that stood out for you, which you're really happy
2: with your performance? Um I personally there's there's one against Utah in Utah, I think. Put put the best foot forward there and then maybe San Diego at home and we went down narrowly. Um That was a great thought,
1: that was a really good game, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, that was a hell of a game of rugby. Um and I think it's just those ones where it's a tough physical game and you know you've got to come for a fight and if you can uh, hang with it in that that then you've you've played pretty well. And who was your toughest opponent in 2019? Toughest opponent? Um, Jeez, there's a couple. I think um, Big Shep. I think when you play Toronto, you're you're tackling that guy. I reckon I tackled him 10 times at least just Shep, one of the games we played them. So I'll I'll never forget that. Um, and, And Luke White's a bit the same, to be fair. He's uh he's an angry
1: man, Luke White. You couldn't meet a nicer guy off the field, but he runs with some pretty bad intentions. Yeah, and Shep, I think you and him both big engines, those big diesel engines, big work
2: rates. so Yeah, there's no there's no doubt. There's no doubt Shep has got a big diesel engine. And yeah, as you said, Luke White is definitely a grump on the field, but yeah, absolute legend off it. Yeah. So twenty twenty, mate. What can we expect? Is Brad Tucker back in the US? Uh yeah, yeah. I'll I'll be back. Yeah, I don't think he can uh you can't leave after winning a championship, you know. Have you got uh, you got Jerry Maguire lined up to renegotiate
1: your deal? Player <laughs> of the year wins the championship, scores to try to win the championship. You know, Adrian and Shane won't appreciate this, but uh, you got you got to be getting a little, you know, the old uh, the old brown paper bag treatment next year. What do you reckon?
2: Jeez, you don't uh, you don't do negotiations for players, that you? By any chance? That hey, you know, good. Let,
1: let's talk off. Off the podcast, wink, wink. You and me, we can organise something pretty good. But uh, we'll be testing free agency. You got to drive your value up with these other teams, you know. We'll just we'll just create a couple of teams. The uh, the uh, Albuquerque Aztecs, they're very interested in Brad Tucker's services. Very, very interested, Shane and Adrian. You know, it's going to be yeah, tough to say no to them. Create some drama. It's always good. Yeah. Well, mate,
2: appreciate you getting on again. Uh, no, it's always uh, good. Heading back to New Zealand, you said for a couple yeah, of gonna- weeks. Stuck home for three weeks, see the family, and watch a bit of younger brother play some club footy. So that'd be would be real good. Oh, very good, mate, very good.
1: Hopefully, uh, we'll catch you when you get back. And again, congratulations from all of us on the podcast on on a tremendous year. I had an absolute ball coming up to Seattle and calling you games, and and uh, seeing you on the road. And couldn't think of a more deserving player for this accolade. So, player of the year, outstanding job, Brad.
2: Thank you very much, guys. Really appreciate it. And as JP said last week. Um, we appreciate all the work you guys do and, you know, sacrificing your time uh, after work to do this stuff as well. So, um, no, love your work, guys. I'm sure we'll be in touch.
1: Yeah, I, I really enjoy you sharking tries from JP, so keep doing that. God, I can do that. You're the man. <laughs> there is big Brad Tucker from the Seattle Seawolves, and he takes away the 2019 Player of the Year for Major League Rugby. What a player, and uh, hopefully we'll see him back in Seawolves colours in 2020. There is Brad Tucker, Player of the Year, and what a year it was for Brad up there. Seattle going back-to-back, but uh, a big part of that was Brad and his player up there for Seattle. Up next, we're going to go with the Forward of the Year, who's from the San Diego Legion, a man who changed the way that teams were playing this year. He really was a dominant influence at the set piece. It's big Paddy Ryan. Joined now by Paddy Ryan from the San Diego Legion, who has been Award Forward of the Year for Major League Rugby for 2019. Paddy, appreciate you jumping on with uh, not only a time difference, but a day difference. What's, uh, what's happening on Thursday in the world?
3: Uh, well, down here in Sydney, the weather's absolutely perfect, Dan. Uh, enjoying, uh, enjoying what Sydney's got to offer, being at home, and uh, just trying to soak it all up uh, while I can. Um, it's always good being back in Australia.
1: Yeah, it certainly is uh, God's country down there. Mate, first time you've been on the show this year, which is kind of a surprise. You uh, you had an absolutely stellar year uh, named in Team of the Week pretty much on a regular basis, but uh, not surprising you get forward of the year. So if you don't mind, I'd love to jump into a little bit of uh, the history that is Paddy Ryan. Yeah,
3: yeah, let's go. Ready, when Mate,
1: you are. Tam- Tamworth boy. Now, you've been, have you been in the U.S. long enough to find a, a similar city in the U.S. to Tamworth that the listeners can kind of draw a comparison to?
3: Okay, so Tamworth is the country music capital of Australia, which would mean that it would draw comparisons to Nashville, but that would make people think that it's big. But it's only, it's smaller than Fresno. It's five hours northwest of Sydney. It's kind of like, you know, it's like on the east coast of Australia, which is kind of like the west coast of the USA, so it's kind of like a Fresno cross Nashville.
1: Mate, you you should be running tourism for Tamworth. That was outstanding. (laughs) I love it. So you leave Tamworth, you go to Joey's, which is one of the the top rugby schools in Australia, and were you boarding at Joey's or did the family move in with you?
3: No, 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 no. I was boarding down there. Uh, Yeah, I was boarding there from year nine, ninth grade, so just after middle, so high school.
1: And at that point, rugby was a big part of your life?
3: Yeah, well, Joey's, uh, as you would know, Dan, but people in America wouldn't, is that Joey's is, uh, well, they call themselves the rugby nursery. We've produced the most wallabies out of um, any school in Australia. And we don't really have a collegiate set up in Australia when it comes to rugby. You go straight from school, predominantly private schools, into sort of rugby academies and rugby programs. You get drafted almost straight after school. Um, So Joey's is like, the best of those schools in the country. We've also won uh, the most of the premierships in our competition, which will, you would equate to sort of the uh, Pac-12. Is it the top, the top college colleges? So, yeah, SEC. Most, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, we've won won the most of those championships as well. So, we're like the premier premier school. So, once you go there, it's pretty much rugby like twenty four seven. You're squeezing in, trying to squeeze your schooling in around it, every minute of every day. You kind of plan playing rugby football, um, touch rugby. Um, yeah, it's good. It's a great place to go. It's a great place to grow up. I was fortunate enough to be in the same year as Curly Beale. So being able to play with a bloke like him from when we are about 13 or 14 was pretty special.
1: Yeah, he's not a bad player, is he? He did all right for himself. <laughs> One of the greats. So after school, you, you took a little bit of a different path to most people. Like you said, in, in Australia, the nursery usually goes... From school, you'll jump into a cult system with one of the super rugby system, one of their academies development programs. But you went overseas. Tell us a little bit about that journey.
3: Uh, yeah, so um, kind of there's a big drop-off after uh, schoolboy rugby in Australia. So you go from playing at my school in front of crowds of up to 20,000 on a regular basis, probably closer to five or 10,000. Um, so you go from that to playing what's called cults, which is like under-20s, um, and being in academy programs. Which just aren't supported. So you pretty much go from this high level of rugby where it's like high octane matters to lots of people. And I noticed that a lot of guys ahead of me who had done similar things um, in terms of playing at Joey's and then going to going up a level in terms of how hard the quality of football is, but down in sort of in terms of the intensity of the atmosphere off the field had kind of struggled a little bit. Um, Some had got injured, some had just kind of fallen out of love with the game. So I thought I'd attack it a little bit differently. And so I went overseas and took a gap year, like, which is essentially just a year off where you just drink all year. And, uh, that's pretty much what I did for, uh, yeah, for 2007, which was awesome.
1: Just building, building that, that luxury body of yours for the front row that was about to come your way. Huh?
3: Well, I certainly picked up – I was in Ireland, so I picked up a taste for Guinness and potatoes, that's for sure.
1: Oh, no, nothing like Guinness and potatoes to uh, keep a nice, smelt <laughs> figure in the off-season. So <laughs> you good, come back. How, how did you get the attention of the Waratahs from there, mate? Uh,
3: so I had, a, uh, I had a couple of years playing for a club called City University, which um, I was pretty fortunate to play for. My dad played for them as well. Uh, in My second season there, we won, won a premiership. Um, I was playing in a team where I was the only guy who wasn't contracted, so he wasn't professionally signed up. So from there, I got signed by Phil War actually, um, who was the captain of the Waratahs at the time. Sorry, excuse the dog. If, as opposed to uh, as opposed to being signed by anyone else, I got signed by the uh, signed by the. Hold on one sec. Got the guard dog here. GG. wonderful. Uh, and so yeah, so then uh, went from there into. Sort of into, um, into the Tars in 2009, thanks to Phil Watt,
1: which was awesome. And it was a pretty quick climb from there because, you know, it can especially in the front row, it can be a little bit of a longer toil to get representative honours. But you went from being unsigned in 2009 to the Wallabies in 2012. Tell us a little bit about... That first game, lead-up to that first game, you were on the tour in Europe. I believe it was Stade Francais, France, 2012. Yeah, Tell us a little bit about that conversation you had with uh, Robbie Deans leading into that game when you found out you are going to be picked and uh, kind of the conversation that you guys had leading into that game.
3: Yeah, well, it was, uh, it was Ben Alexander was kind of playing ahead of me and he, uh, he got injured. So I think the call came in on the Monday or Tuesday I actually got it from Andrew Blades who was a forwards coach at the time and now a good mate of mine and uh, Bladesy kind of said Matt I think you might be on here Um, so I immediately called my dad um, said dad I think I'm on but the team doesn't get announced till the Thursday so yeah so dad's like booked a flight my mum was already there the game was in Paris mum was there in Paris with her friend they were kind of following the tour around, doing their own thing and um, my dad did um, he had work. He's a doctor, so he couldn't really get out of a lot of work. So he like took. I think he was in Paris for like thirty hours to watch the game, and he spent sixty hours travelling or something, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> uh, there and back. So it was a pretty amazing experience. And um, yeah, I mean, getting getting like your first cap put on your head's um, something you you never forget. Um, so yeah, I mean, it wasn't. <clears throat> it was more kind of. In- more kind of spent time t- talking to Andrew Blades about it. Um, but, you know, I'm eternally grateful for Robbie Deans. He also picked me for a Barbars team in 2016. So, um, you know, I really respect Robbie as a coach, really enjoy him um, as a coach and as a bloke. And um, yeah, it's something you you cherish forever is that first game.
1: Now you have to wait about 12 months for your second crack, and you know, it's Ireland, Lansdowne Road. How was that one? That one, I. I Never played there, but I've been told that is is one of the stadiums to play at in your career is is a full Lansdowne against Ireland.
3: Yeah, and uh, yeah, it was good. And we had a good day as well. We won, so that was amazing. Came off the bench again, played about 20, 25 minutes with uh, Ben Robinson, who I'd played a lot with at the Waratahs, um, was kind of like a little bit of a mentor to me in many ways. Um, And he's, yeah, you know, uh, he's he's a great bloke and it was great to come off the bench with him and Tafu and uh, kind of close the game out. So we had a really good day there. I really enjoyed it. And, um, you know, having a close affiliation with Ireland, my heritage goes back there. We're sort of fifth generation Australian, but, um, you know, where our our family originates from Nina down in uh, County Tipperary, down in the south of Ireland. So it was a really special one. Um, And again, something you don't, you don't th- I don't
1: think I'll ever forget. Yeah, you haven't got that uh, stereotypical Irish name, though, have you? So we to <laughs> draw that <laughs> comparison. <laughs> so while this is going on, mate, you, you've also entrenched yourself in the Waratahs setup. You end up playing well over 100 games for the Tars in Super Rugby. How was that experience going from national team back to super rugby and up and down again? How, how was that balancing that life going from, you know, the water, Wallabies back to the Tars?
3: Uh, yeah, look, if I'm going to be really honest, it's probably something that I struggled with a little bit, like being on the fringe of the Wallabies for an extended period of time and then um, <clears throat> and then coming back to the Waratahs where you're kind of uh, the main part of the team full of Wallabies. So I think I found it a little bit frustrating uh being on the fringe of that for so long and it probably um which ended up being like four probably four or five years. Um and so yeah, I mean it it almost it probably in terms of uh national caps, I think I don't they never really adapted as well as it probably should have. And so it didn't probably play as game as many games for Australia as I would have liked. But going up and down is certainly one of the hardest parts. Um, of rugby, changing in between squads and trying to contribute to teams when you're not playing as much. Um, so, yeah, so it was it was tough. But, uh, I mean, the times I had at the Waratahs, are, um, are, yeah, I'll cherish so, so so highly, particularly around 2013, 14 and 15. We're under the coaching of Michael Checker and the captaincy of Dave Dennis. And we had some amazing guys in the squad. And, yeah, I mean, that's something that I'll just that I really enjoyed. Um, it's always good when teams going well, and that was something that was, that was a really good, really good
1: time for us. Yeah, they were the Halcyon days for the Waratahs with that super rugby title around
3: there as well. Yeah, yeah. So that was great. So, no, we really enjoyed that, and yeah, um, that was it.
1: Mate, let's, let's fast forward, and I know we're missing a, a lot there, but let's fast forward to the San Diego Legion. How does that conversation start for you? Had, had you watched any of the Major League Rugby for 20, uh, 2018? And, and how did the interest from the Legion come about?
3: Uh, yeah, so um, it's a bit of a funny one. It kind of – I got to the start of last year. The Waratahs had been playing there for almost 10 years. It would be my 10th season of uh, being like in and around the program. And so I was ready for a change. Um, And so I kind of wanted to get on the front foot and start looking around. And I was looking at opportunities and uh, I was kind of looking into Europe and um, Japan and stuff. And nothing was really grabbing me. Um, And so I had a lot of good opportunities, kind of job opportunities come up in Sydney through connections I'd made while I'd been here. Uh, But yeah, I was kind of quite torn as, as to what to do. And... Just by chance, I bumped into a guy called Scott Wise who does a lot of coaching work with the coaches across the MLR, and he's uh, also the assistant for England. Uh, Anyway, I bumped into Wisey. He said, "You know, like I was kind of telling him what was going on, where where my head was at." And he's uh, he's immediately uh, flicked uh, flicked an email to um, all the owners in the MLR, and a few came back, but I spoke to. a guy called Darren Gardner, who's one of the two owners at uh, San Diego Legion. Darren's also an Aussie. um, And more than that, he's a a former first grade player in Sydney. So he understands the system here. Um, And yeah, once I'd spoken to Darren, it was pretty much, it was a lock. I was going to San Diego. Um, So yeah, so I ended up doing, just felt like a really nice fit. Spoke to him, spoke to Rob Hoadley. And, uh, Man, honestly, it's like been six of the best months of my life. It's one of the best decisions I've ever made. Um, and so, yeah, I actually did the contracting for my Japanese deal around the fact that I had to be in San Diego because um, it was really important to me. And so, yeah, I've, I've, I've loved it. And that's how it kind of came about.
1: So there's never considerations for any of the other teams? It was San Diego first, second, third?
3: Uh, oh, look, I mean, there's like you, you, you send something like that out and blokes who have done it will understand, but you kind of send an email out and you get a couple of bites back and, you know, you're talking to your girlfriend and your mum and dad and you're like, oh, you know, like, what about there? Like, that sounds pretty cool. And you look at it and you're like, oh, we could, if we were there, we could do this, we could do that. Um, you know, you start kind of thinking about it a little bit. But once, once I'd spoken to Darren, mate, it was, it was San Diego and then fresh air. There you go. Austin
1: Elite, get get an Australian owner and you'll get to pay Ryan back next year. <laughs>
3: I won't be playing for any other MLR team, man. I can tell you that
1: much. Oh, I like it. I like it. So, I guess that goes to the next one. You are going to Japan now, but 2020. Are you back in the red and black?
3: Uh no, it's it'll it'll depend on what happens for sort of, in my Japanese. The the problem with the Japanese deals is um, getting insurance and stuff around them. So, look, it's we're trying to make it happen. We'll try to make it happen. But if I'm not in, if I'm not there in 2020, I'm there in 2021.
1: Okay, well, you are you're thirty one in a couple of months, so you still you're actually kind of like hitting that front row prime where the physicality side is there, but then the experience side comes in. When you sign with San Diego, what was the conversation between you and Rob Holdy on what your Holy, on what your role would be, and what was your the
3: expectations of them for you this year? Um, yeah, just the role of like you know, um, I think the great thing about Hodes is that everyone. You know, he designs the defense patterns um, in the way we defend and then everyone else sort of does their job. So it becomes a conversation with Zach Test, Scott Murray, um, around how, how I can fit in there. Um, so I just had to be my, you know, just be my, be myself um, to help contribute the way I contribute within the structure. Um, then obviously there's a mentoring role there for me with guys like Nate Sylvia, um, Otti Piffletti and Aaron Mitchell. Um they're all sort of budding young props, um, so yeah, working with them was great. Working with uh, guys like Capelli, Pivoletti, and then um, not so much in a mentoring role, but more sort of working alongside guys like Dean, Muir, and Dino Waldron. Um, just kind of yeah, like working working as a as a sort of group front rowers was part of part of it as well, and that was great fun. Um, really great, all great guys there, all brought something different. Uh, you know, you've got the pranksters and the Piffolettis, they're great blokes. Um, and then you've got the experience and hard-headedness of the two Deans, or Dino and Dean, and yeah, it's just... Uh, and then you've obviously got the, the raw power of someone like Aaron Mitchell and, and, and Nate, Nate Sylvia and the excitement of the potential of those kind of guys who haven't played the game for an extremely long time but have done a lot in that short space.
1: Let's talk a little bit about your performances in 2019 that got you this award. Mate, you play 17 games, two tries. Now, is that a good strike rate looking back at your career, two tries?
3: Uh, look, I reckon I was... I was, uh, I was, uh, had a couple stolen off me, a couple by refs. A few of the boys wouldn't pass it to the to the speed bloke, even myself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, nah, look, I think there's probably not many <laughs> not many in a team that scores a few. I was definitely stole I definitely had one stolen off me up at Toronto. Uh, but other than that mate, you know, I'll take two. Anything's better. There's a tradition in rugby where if you don't score a try in the whole season you're meant to get nude at the post-season function. So fortunately for me or maybe fortunately for everyone involved in the post-season events, I didn't have to get naked.
1: Well, especially and they got the fit paddy Ryan, not the Guinness and potatoes one, so that would have been a blessing <laughs> as well. <laughs> But you got three try assists, so a little ball playing skills there, a little uh, offload action.
3: Yeah, I don't re- know how liberal they are with try assists over here. I think maybe sometimes I've thrown a pass and a bloke's done a lot of work. But uh, no, nah, look, there was, there was certainly off the offloading and trying to get uh, trying to get guys into space as a part of our game. Zach Test worked really hard on on us uh, with us on, so it's that, good to hear that.
1: Yeah, and that was a big part of your game too. Your offloads is an area that I was very impressed with, and thought, you know, that that would be something that I would really capitalise on as an outside back. You had fifteen offloads for the season, um, you know, and usually they were quality offloads too, where you would put your nose through and and given your runners an opportunity. Defensively, though, mate, that's where you really shone for me. Uh, everyone. You know, it was it was big on the set piece. You were so dominant in the scrums and you really changed the way the game was played up front there. But defensively, tackling effective over 93%, only 12 missed tackles on the year. Uh, I know that's something you would have prided yourself on significantly, that that effective tackling and that dominant tackling that you are great
3: at as well. I, I think, you know... I it was, uh, it was a big part of our game, particularly early on in the season when we hadn't quite figured out those combinations. We, we, we made sure that our defence was solid. And I think, you know, full credit's got to go to Hodes there. Like, his defensive coaching stuff is as good as I've witnessed. Um, his systems and his training around it was, was exceptional. And, um, you know, we're a pack that wanted to pride ourselves on being physical. Um, we're guys that enjoy tackling. We enjoy tackling each other at training. So then it becomes easy. You get to the weekend and it becomes easy, you know, like um, tackling a guy like Manu uh, Samara in the final or, a, a, you know, like a, a Brad Tucker is easy if you've had to practice on guys like Kenny uh, Nasagenge and, you know, guys of that calibre. So we trained hard at our defence and um, everyone really enjoyed it and that's why I think, um, you know, we had, a, we had a good year defensively.
1: So for you personally, mate, what was your... Highlight of the year? What was your personal highlight?
3: Uh, It's going to sound a bit spiteful, but honestly, it was this before the game. Um, I think beating Seattle in Seattle, first time they'd lost there, and we had 13 guys on the pitch for 20 minutes. Yeah. Um, They're a class act, Seattle. And so to beat them away um, on that narrow field where they've got, you know, such dominant forwards um, and to beat them at their own game was. Um, not just a highlight of this year, but one of the highlights of uh, of my whole footballing journey. Um, definitely in the top
1: three games I've ever played in. And your dad and mum were there for that one too, right? Yeah, yes, yeah,
3: Dad, right. mum, dad, mum, and the girlfriend was there. Uh, that's right. So it was uh, it was a pretty special day.
1: That was that was the red card, and then uh, Joe got knocked out. Yep. And you guys had to hold on as they came, and they were such a great finishing side as well. In front of that crowd, and that's the that's the most quiet I think I've ever seen that stadium and yeah, what a performance that was. Was that your favourite venue to play at outside of uh, Torero? Obviously the home pitch is always your favourite, but what was your favourite away stadium to play at?
3: No, Seattle's. Like I think what Seattle are doing for rugby, I think, when uh, I mean, we're doing it as well um, down in San Diego, um, really working on building the community aspect into, into the professional um, team. So you're really seeing a link there. And I think Seattle are doing it as well as anyone. Um, and I think they're a real credit to the game. Um, there's some places you didn't, want, you don't want to go and play. Like when I come back, mate, I'm not looking forward. If I have got to play down in New York at that place again, where there's gravel on the pitch <laughs> and stuff, I won't be looking forward to that. That was pretty hard. Um, and they're a tough side, New York. So there's places to go that are hard to play. But I think in terms of atmosphere, um, quality of football, you know, you can't go past Seattle. I think Toronto was was pretty good as well. All right. who was the
1: toughest player that you had to play against this year? Who gave you uh, the toughest game?
3: Oh, I thought Brad Tucker deservedly got Player of the Season. I think he was he was immense, just everywhere and like hit hard, played hard. You know, he was the guy. I there's no one I'm ever like. Uh, you know, you never want to be um, f- fearful of, of a player, but you want to enjoy playing against teams. And, uh, yeah, I enjoyed – I thought Tucker was is a guy that I was looking forward to playing in that final and both times we played against them. I also think it's worth mentioning New York, you know. Like they got a great front row, um, great blokes off the field um, in uh, Patty and uh, Dylan and um, Roach. Um, so I think they're, they're a pack that I was excited to play against as well. I think if I was going to put it down to one player, it would be uh, Brad Tucker. Yeah, not a not a not a bad bloke as well, Brad Tucker. Well, he's a Kiwi, so you know he's already on the back foot there. But I'm sure he's all right. <laughs> That's why I didn't say he's a
1: good bloke. I just said he's not a bad bloke. I didn't, <laughs> didn't go all in on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, mate, I appreciate you jumping on. And uh, again, it was an absolute honour and a privilege to call your games this year. I think what you did for the league was outstanding. What you did for San Diego was even more outstanding. And if it's not 2020. I look forward to 2021 and seeing you back down there at Torero.
3: I'll be back, mate. uh, I really enjoyed my time in the MLR. It's a a great competition. And rugby in America is only on the up. It's something to be very excited about for the future. So thanks very much, DP. Tell your mum and dad I said hi. Great people.
1: Cheers, Cheers, buddy. Appreciate you jumping on. Paddy Ryan, forward of the year for Major League Rugby in 2019. There he was, the Rhino himself from the San Diego Legion. He takes away forward off the year. Well-deserved for Paddy Ryan. Up next, we stay in San Diego. It's our back of the year. A man who was an absolute enforcer in the center position, showed his versatility, shifting between 12 and thirteens at times, and certainly took a load off Joe Peterson as well with a lot of bone-crunching defense and absolutely brilliant ball in hand. It's JP Duplessis, and he caught up with Aaron Castro.
0: Aaron Castro? producer of Major League Rugby Kickoff, and I'm here with the phenomenal inside center, J.P. Duplessis of the San Diego Legion, just named back of the year for Major League Rugby. How are you doing, J.P.? I'm very
4: good. Uh, Thank you for having me.
0: So uh, I guess we ran into some tech issues, but but we're all good now. Uh, so how's uh, I mean, you're already back in South Africa. So how's how's home treating you? How's your how's the wife? How's the children?
4: Um, they're all good. I mean, they uh, they they're adjusting fairly quickly. But uh, you know, it's uh, it's it's never easy coming uh, coming from, from the US to South Africa, um, especially with the different uh, time zones. Uh, you know, we we're losing a day. But I mean, you know, it's it's part of the it's part of the journey. It's part of what we signed up for, and you know, we we knew it starting off, and so, uh, we just have to kind of adapt and you know stay strong. It's only probably going to be a week or so, and then we'll be fine again.
0: So go, going back on your career, uh, you've uh, you grew up in South Africa and then grew up a little bit in, in Australia. Uh, you had a uh, a youth career in in both rugby union, uh, with Western province, and then with the Sydney Roosters as well, playing, playing rugby league for a little bit, uh, in Australia. How, I mean, of course you grew up playing rugby, but how did you get to Australia and, and play, you know, rugby league on sort of a track to be a professional there before returning to union? Yeah. Well, um, I was actually playing in a schoolboy
4: tournament in um, in South Africa, and uh, I was approached by um, an agent uh, and one of the. Uh, I'm not sure. I think he was like one of the recruiters um, of the of the Sydney Roosters um, rugby rugby league team. And um, at the time, you know, I wasn't too sure what rugby league was, um, but I uh, did a bit of research, and you know, I was quite. You know, keen on trying something new. I was excited about you know trying a new city, and and I I thought there'd be a lot that I can learn from league itself. Um, So at the time, you know, being eighteen and kind of you know seeing Sydney and seeing the new sport and the new challenges, that was kind of the you know the the motivating drive behind everything. So uh, that's how everything came about.
0: Then, following that time, you you moved uh, and played with the Melbourne Rebels, uh, achieving a senior cap there before moving back to Western Province. Uh, yeah. What did you think of your time with with Melbourne?
4: So, when I was with Melbourne, uh, I was still nineteen, turning twenty. So, for me, um, being able to uh, get an opportunity in in the Super Rugby. Um, competition was, was a kind of a, a massive deal. Um, and that, that was kind of the reason why I, I left the league um, and went back to Union. I always kind of have a, had a, a love for Union and, and I've had it my whole life. So I was comfortable making that shift. Um, and, you know, the, the, being at the Rebels and playing under, uh, you know, players like Sterling Mortlock, he was a starting uh, 13, I was 13 at the time. Um, and I mean, you know, like there, there was many other good players that was there at the time, uh, just to learn and kind of feed off them um, was, was really a great experience. And I think kind of shaped me a lot in, um, you know, the the player uh, I am today, um, being able to play under these players and learn from them. So that was a really good like a good shift, even though I didn't play as much as I would have liked liked to, but I, you know, I had to kind of be realistic with myself. I was still 19 turning 20. And, you know, most of these guys were all like 25 plus and 30 and whatever it was. And it was a big competition. The main, the main thing for me was just to learn. And to grow as a player.
0: Following that season, our, You moved uh, back to Western Province uh, in Cape Town, South Africa, and played with the Western Province Academy and then achieved two senior caps with the Stormers before moving on to Montpellier. Uh, What got you back home, and uh, what did you think of that formative period? Because playing in the Curry Cup, of course, is considered a a high-level event for for many people um, at a young age. Yeah.
4: So um, – a big role was the fact that um, you know I'd, I'd been in Australia for two years and I was kind of you know missing home, missing my family. Um, being a young staff experience, I experienced what I wanted to experience and and I learned a lot. But I was quite keen on getting back home um, to my people and and also getting back home to Western Province where I played my schoolboy rugby. It was coaches that I was familiar with. A big a big um, Factor was the fact that I was going to play under my uh the coach that coached me for um, high school um
2: the, the, the provincial
4: side so and I um, he was one of you know one of the coaches that had a big role in my life uh in my career so I was very excited to get back and kind of you know get to play under him again and. Um, You know, and and at that time, so I played, I played, I got back, I played a bit of uh, under-21 rugby um, and then um, a a couple of Curry Cup games and and then a couple of Super Rugby games. It was all a great experience and kind of growing. Um, And that led kind of to the opportunity at Montpellier, um, which probably wasn't the the best decision for me to make at the time to go, um, but was a great offer for me at the time. And I thought, you know, it's the right thing to do. But had I stayed, maybe my career would have been different in South Africa. Um, You know, as I was kind of like heading towards, you know, towards 23, 24. And then obviously when you hit 25, you'll start peaking and start cheering a lot. So I should have probably been a bit more patient. But I mean, you know, it was still a great experience. And um, I mean, experiencing a club of that level at Montpellier and also the town and everything was another great experience. Um, which, I mean, I also learned a lot from and and being able to experience that lifestyle
0: was awesome. Then you moved back to South Africa uh, to play with the Cheetahs and also the Free State 15 in the Curry Cup. Uh, I guess what what drug you back home? Uh, Because you did play uh, back home for two and a half more years before you end up, you know, finding the Legion when the league starts.
4: Yes, so actually, um, when I when I um, when I went to Montpellier, just so I signed my contract with Montpellier, and then I still played for Western Province, and I actually um, picked up an injury, a knee injury, so I had to get get a knee operation, um, which was quite unfortunate um, and set me out, but like put me out for about six months before I could return to play, and um, that was kind of leaving me with about three or four months at Montpellier, not being able to play, not being able to train, or to do these things, so I don't think the club was very happy with that. And um, you know, like anyone that knows the, the, you know, the, the French, the top 14 and the clubs and stuff. Um, you know, it's it's quite, you know, um, you know they invest a lot of money in players and stuff, and they expect you know results in return, and they expect players to play. So at the time, I couldn't really play or give them that, and, and I think it just wasn't that a great start for me. Um, so at that time, I, w- I wish I had a better start or a, an easier start at Montpellier, but I had to kind of make a big decision, um, you know, come back home, start over again. Uh, my knee recovered um, and kind of pulled myself up from the ground again. Um, or otherwise, you know, see where where rugby leads me. But, um, yeah, that was kind of the driving factor to come back home where I had my support system and and things in place. Um, so, yeah, that's, uh, I mean, Montpellier was still a great experience and, and, and I'm not, you know, taking anything from that but uh you know like I said firstly I shouldn't have maybe made that shift so early in my life and um yeah secondly it was a an injury played a big part of it
0: and then so now uh we're in season one uh you pretty much show out in the with the chances you get before suffering an injury last season what did you feel about where the league was last year and then coming into this season following the team's loss in the semifinal about what you guys would achieve this year?
4: Um, well, I think, you know, if you look at the league itself, um, it's definitely grown, you know, um, a lot from last season to this season. Um, but I was still amazed by, you know, the quality of rugby that was played within uh, in an inaugural season of, of the competition. Um, so... I, th- I think it was a great start for the, for the league, um, the, the first season, and, and it was great to be a part of that. But also to see um, the growth, um, you know, in, in, in the quality of rugby coming from last, last season to this season was amazing. And, I mean, if you, can, if you can only imagine where the league will be in five years if you take, you know, the growth from last year to this year, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's sky's the limit, really, to, uh, you know. And, and also, if, if you look at the team and to see how the team has grown, That has been, and and also to be a part of that has been, you know, an amazing, um, experience, uh, you know, to be a part of that first season with San Diego and already starting to build that culture, um, and that, and that team And, and, you know, the coaches stayed the same and that, and that helped a lot, um, you know, to to come into the season, you know what to expect. You know what you know what the the systems are going to be like. You know what they would expect from you. So going back um, after my shoulder injury, I kind of knew what I had to work on to come back and to kind of you know improve from last season to the season. So that made it quite easy for me. Um, you know, um, going coming back home um, after season one and preparing for season two. But, I mean, it it was just – I'm just so proud to see how the boys have also, you know, um, come from season one to season two and how they've grown and how the coaches have grown um, with the league and kind of to improve our our style of play and, you know, to grow with the league. And that's that's really phenomenal to be a part of that. Do you know how good of a season you've had? Um, (laughs) It's funny because I actually said to my wife uh, earlier – there, there, there was a lot of great, great players in the back line. Um, I'm actually surprised that I got it um, and I'm humbled by it. But um, I actually don't, I, I I, didn't think I had, you know, uh, like, you know, the most amazing season. I was happy with, with how I went. Um, But obviously, I, you know, maybe I'm a bit hard on myself and people are. But uh, ew, I don't think it was good that great. But, you know, I'll take it and I'm, and I'm happy with it, with the, with the award. Definitely humbled for,
0: by it. For the audience to, to show, like, what kind of player you were this year uh with with the ball in hand you passed the ball 49 times made 13 tackle breaks five line breaks 11 offloads in contact and then the you know your effective passes ex- excluding your offloads when you think about having 11 uh, offloads in in your total yeah. you had 29 effective passes out of so when you think about that there was only I think eight passes that were that basically caught contact by the receiver, like where there weren't more meters made. So the, that shows a lot about what your vision is. And then on defense, you made 187 tackles yeah. that that's the dominant tackles. You were in the top 10 for dominate tackles in the league with 20. And then you had eight tackles where you made turnovers, uh, so something to think about that. And going back to your attacking uh, percentages here, on 159 carries, you made 1118 meters. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah.
4: Well, I, I saw this. I saw the stats last night. Um, you know, but a lot of credit has to go to uh, also the system that we play within um, and and the pack of forwards we had, um, and combined with you know um, the, the the great. You know, distributed. We had at nine and a ten. That kind of gave me the platform to attack on, and that kind of created the space. Um, and the same in defence. You know, being close to the ruck and being in a system that kind of uh, you know puts me in the in the in the in the position to be able to do that. Um, all I had to do was just you know kind of do it. Um, so um, yeah, look. I, the, the main thing is it's uh, hopefully not over yet. So hopefully we can continue that, but. Uh, yeah, look, I'm really, I'm honestly humbled by by the by the win. To be able to say that is, is really a big honor for me, as I really love the league and I love the club as well. So for me, that's really a great privilege.
0: What kind of mentality were you guys in following that first loss? Because, you know, it took took a loss at home in the, in the first game, and then you guys go on a stretch to where you become uh we're not really sure if it's dominant but we know there's this crazy good team that's that's sort of gelling together at about the midway point through the through the season the switch is completely flipped and the intensity level that you guys bring against your opponents is something different
4: yeah it's, you know, i think a big a big factor is obviously the 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 um uh the 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 kind of culture you build in the team and in, in the, in the club, um, on and off the field. Um, it's like, to be fair, it's like, I cannot say that there's a single player in a club in the, in our club that I cannot kind of stand or deal with. Like, and, and that's very rare because I mean, you basically putting 30 or whatever, um, you know, men together in a room and say, listen, get along. And so I think that was kind of a big advantage that we had is that we are all, everyone in the team was great guys and guys that you could get along and and kind of that you would, you know, phone after, after training or whatever and go have a beer. So I think that's where it started. So that, that camaraderie between the players was quite big to start off with. I think, and that kind of led um, all combined with, you know, kind of the systems that the coaches put in place that kind of that, um, you know, that, that, that put everything, you know, put your body on the line. That's it. You go hard. Um, and we, we kind of leave it all out there. Um, that, that's the mentality that we kind of carried. And, you know, obviously, synergy on the field um, comes with time and experience comes with time and, and things like that. You start to get to know each other, and as the season kind of continues, you, 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 you know, you get better and you increase, and 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 which obviously happened. But it, you first had to start with you know the, the the foundation, and you know the coach kind of the first meeting we had, he had a he had a um kind of like a presentation up, and the first kind of picture that was up was kind of our foundation and what we're building this on, you know, and and that was like you know very special, you know, with our values and you know discipline we gave away a lot of penalties I think we don't always do it 100% but kind of like you know um you know uh, compete um you know together and then you know there's a lot of things that kind of that we all bought into that kind of led to the you know success that we had throughout the season and you know we were unfortunate you know unfortunately we don't win in the end and you know that's how rugby goes and finals goes but um, what we've kind of built throughout the season that was special and that's something that you know we'd carry even if if I don't ever play again that'd be something that I carry with all the rest of my life and the friends i made made so that that's something that was very special throughout the season and that that showed because I could look next to me and not at any stage following that first loss um, for some reason and even in most of the games that we came back to win at the end not once that I see any doubt in anyone's face like there was no doubt, like that we we'd win or whatever, and even if we lost, we come back strong the next week, and and that that was something that was really special within this team culture and the structure that we had.
0: Who is the biggest jokester on the team?
4: Biggest jokester? uh goalkeeper uh, Filleti definitely has to be. I mean, the guy's uh, never serious, like. Eh? <laughs> he's definitely the biggest now, I've got to say. Who
0: is the most serious?
4: The most serious um, uh, uh, would be Nate Sylvia. He's he's a very serious guy. Um, I call him Natsiki, but that's between me and him. But yeah, he he's he's definitely the most serious.
0: So, looking off the field, uh, you are a business owner in South Africa.
4: Correct? Yes.
0: So how? Yeah have you been able to manage that while playing at s- such a high level in full time? Uh, basically, yep. you know, it's almost a, it's a 10 hour time difference. Yeah. Um, I, w-
4: I, w- I was very lucky um, to have the manager that I have at my restaurant. Um, she's really amazing and um, you know, trustworthy and, and, and really Treats the places as her own. Um, I mean, even when I'm home, um, there's not really much that I do. I, I I spend my time setting up new things or new ventures or whatever it is. Not really so much time just at the businesses or at the restaurants. So like I'm really blessed um, to have her, um, and that kind of gives me the opportunity to be able to be um, definitely in, in America and know that everything's going smoothly um, back home.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, that was JP Duplessis. Thank you for your time and congratulations on your All-MLR First 15 Award and your Back of the Year Award as well.
4: Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And thank you for for the chat. Thank you for having me. Hopefully see you guys soon.
1: There he was, JP Duplessis, all the way from South Africa. And uh, a great year for him. And a big part of both Paddy and JP's year was head coach. And San Diego finished the season in first place, a great season for the Legion. They do come up one short in the final. But nonetheless, head coach for Major League Rugby in 2019 was Rob Hoadley, a great season from the former Wasp player. And he sat down with another former head coach, Pete Steinberg.
5: Well, Rob Hoadley, how are you doing? Thank you for joining us on Major League Rugby Kickoff.
6: Hi, Pete. Yeah, recovering. Uh, thanks for having me on, and uh, sort of uh, slowly, slowly coming back to the real world after the uh, after that tough loss. Um, but uh, actually, just uh, really excited this week. We're plotting away for next season, and uh, and uh, really excited about moving this thing forward.
5: Well, as as is traditional for Major League Rugby Kickoff, we're in a um, very uh, leveraging technology. Rob is, is sitting on a car in Southern California. I'm sitting at a hotel in um, Marble Arch, so we are spanning the the oceans. Rob, where are you heading to right now?
6: Um, I am just taking a couple of days off, so we're going to go and get some sun in Palm Springs, uh, which uh, is very important, so i uh, keep the wife happy, and uh, maybe I can have another year of coaching.
5: <laughs> yep, I've, I've, I've been there, and, and, and good for you. Well, look, you know, I, I'd like to talk a little bit about the journey that um, you've had with the San Diego Legion, and I'm going to start with the semi-final loss to Seattle last year, where I think if you watch the game, um, you guys played all of the good rugby, but but really and, and had really developed um, a good style of play on attack and defence last year, and um, but obviously struggled in the scrum. So can you talk a little bit about like what how you guys thought about the off-season? and what you wanted to do last, like leading into this season?
6: Yeah, sure. Well, I, I think it's pretty obvious, Pete. Uh, I mean, even going from the first game of the season was against Seattle away when we conceded three penalty tries at Scrum. Uh, and really, we hadn't solved that problem by the time we got to the semi-final. And, um, you know, obviously there's personnel issues there uh, that we had to fix. And uh, obviously the, the, the most clear thing we did was we went out and we recruited Paddy Ryan uh... in the off-season but we also brought in uh... and capelli pifoletti um, and we had more time to work with the likes of otti pifoletti that came in late in the season it's now been, uh... challenging uh... you know for a u.s.a spot, i think and nathan Silver also has developed really really well uh... aaron mitchell is going to be an animal for us he just needs a bit more time uh, you know working technically um, but that was, the, that was the main thing that we had to, to fix up because i think we had a lot of pieces in place uh, you know, we were winning that final, semi-final with 20 minutes to go, and unfortunately, you know, we had two yellow cards in the last 20 minutes. It cost us. Uh, but that, that, do, that was the obvious thing to go and do in the off-season. And uh, you know, one more piece of that was also recruiting Scott Murray. Um, you know, we're, we're incredibly privileged to have Scott here, who's uh, you know 83 caps for Scotland. He's one of the most experienced um, uh, rugby men in all of American rugby, and he's had a huge impact on our environment as well.
5: Now, one of the other changes you made in the off-season was moving Joe Peterson from fullback to fly-half. Was that always part of the plan when you brought him on board, or was that just something that, like, when, did, when, when was that decision made?
6: Yeah, that was made, uh, yeah, even around that time, you know, we were planning to have, uh, have uh, Joe step up, you know. Again, uh, someone with his experience and his cool head just to have him on the ball as much as possible is going to have a huge impact on us. So uh, that was always part of the plan. He's also very good, uh, you know, you, you know, uh, playing the field position game, kicking, pulling the strings and, uh, and putting us in the right positions on the field. So, uh, you know, Joe has played fullback more than fly-half uh, in, his, in his time, but he's played a lot of fly-half. We spoke to him about that very early on. We were very clear about that and he was excited about the opportunity. And
5: uh, obviously, he's been great for us. Um, so, you know, coming in into this season, you, you had a good foundation. You you um, you know, um, looked to recruit to improve your scrum, and, and what, what what you created was the most dominant defence that Major League Rugby has seen by quite a long way. I mean, I mean, you you guys were a very very stingy defence. I I know that's your bread and butter. Can you talk to us a little bit about sort of what has made your defence really good this year?
0: Yeah, well,
6: I think, uh, you know, comes, defence comes out of your identity. I really think it's the, the biggest indicator of your identity and what your group's about um, because so much of it is through attitude. I don't want to downplay <laughs> any of the coaching or the technical aspects, but there's a huge, uh, there's a huge attitude element to any uh, strong defence. And, uh, again, I think the, the building blocks were in place last year. I think we had um, the second or third best defence last year, which was kind of undermined, if you look at how a lot of the tries were scored, it was from 5 meters scrums. So, um, obviously, we shored that up. But, uh, you know, it's, it's not, I don't think there's a lot of secrets in defence. It's about keeping men on your feet, uh, keeping uh, line integrity and line speed, and just putting as much pressure on the opposition as possible. Um, and uh, combining that with a mentality where everyone else just wants to sacrifice themselves and contribute to those around them for the good of the team.
5: So, so how important um, is, is the tackle contest for you um, in your defence? I mean, it was a challenge in terms of penalties that you had throughout the season. But talking to you earlier, Rob, you said, hey, it's a little bit of a risk reward. You know, you're, you're willing to give away a few penalties because you get that turnover. But in terms of like, the way you think about the defence, talk a little bit about how the tackle contest fits in there.
6: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that could be different each week, Pete, depending on uh, how you're looking at the opposition strengths and how you're looking at your strengths. What you think the rest are going to do? Uh, it could be different uh, in, in the context of one game as well. Uh, but what we want to always allow ourselves to do is we want to challenge the opposition at every opportunity possible. So whether that be in the set piece to retain ball, in the tackle, in the breakdown contest, contest with our line speed, with our positioning. Um, that's the beauty of rugby, and uh, you know I think that's why a lot of uh, Americans are being drawn to the sport is that. Uh, Every single opportunity, there's a contest for the ball. Um, so, and then there's an opportunity, obviously, to then play from that turnover. So that's our mentality. Uh, we can also, we can obviously force that in certain areas at times and pull back uh, in certain areas at times, depending on what we think is uh, best for us in
5: that moment. So, well, yeah, um, absolutely. I love, I love that attitude. I want to talk a little bit about sort of the journey that that, that you had this season, and and you know, as a coach you always look at processes and not outcomes right and so you know well I'm sure the final is disappointing for you the reality is a different bounce of the ball when you'd have been out in the semis and um, a different bounce of the ball and you'd have won the final and it's just kind of like how it goes um, and so when you look at this year what what are you most proud of as, as a coach what, what what do you think what's the biggest impact that you've been able to have as a, as, as a coach and uh, you'll look back with, with most pride.
6: Well, uh, it's pretty clear uh, for us how we built this, you know, we wanted to build it in a very particular way and we, we promised our players that if we build it like this, it will bring success. Obviously we didn't get the, the final success that we wanted, but we're, we're still working towards that. And firstly, I'd just like to thank our owners, um, Darren Gardner and Ryan Patterson for giving us this opportunity. It's rare in life to that you, you get the opportunity to build something from scratch. And uh, if you get that opportunity, you better build something you love. And uh, and we absolutely love uh, coming into work every day. We love the group, group of people working on the field and behind the scenes. Uh, you know, when you look at, um, as I mentioned, Scott Murray, Zach Tech, uh Oscar Alvarez, Matt Andrioli, uh, David Paul, Jason Huntley, it's, it's a phenomenal group of men. And then most of all, uh, the players feet and what they bring every day. So uh, the biggest thing that we take pride on is the, is the group that we've created and then uh, how that spills out into the, the atmosphere in the community and the way that the fans really got behind us and uh, we're incredibly proud of what we've created and we, it's just the beginning and, and we can't wait to get back to work
5: Now, you know, as, as, a, as a coach I know, you know you're, you're very player centred, you like the players to take a lot of the responsibility um, especially with the group that you have but every now and then as a coach you have to kind of make a decision, make an intervention. Can you look back on this season and, and and think about a moment or two when you like feel most proud that you really did your best work as a, as a coach?
6: Yeah, I, I think, uh, as you say, we're, we're all in it together. We're all pulling for the same cause and uh, we want to get the best out of each other. So it's not like an intervention where we're coming in as coaches and doing something different or against the grain because we're all working in it together. I'd say probably one of the, the, the highlights was when we... Uh, went away to Seattle and, uh, you know, we played with 15 men for 40 minutes, uh, 13 men for 20 minutes and 14 men for 20 minutes and, uh, and still came away with a win. I think that's one of the proudest moments of the season. So
5: so as you, as, as you look, you're, you're heading off, you're about to take a couple of days off um hopefully you won't talk, think too much about rugby while you're there, although it's probably always in the back of your mind. Um,
6: well, yeah, if people, do, don't, uh, if, if people don't ring me asking me questions about rugby, I might get a chance to get away from it. <laughs> but here we are.
5: <laughs> well, we'll, well, we'll leave this as the last question then, Rob. And we'll, <laughs> yeah. let, we'll let you no, and your no, go enjoy happy, their time. No, 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 yeah. right, so so just, just, just one more. So when, when you look towards the next season and kind of how the off-season is going to play out, what are the things that you're going to be doing personally to kind of prepare for next season?
6: Yeah, well, we've been doing a lot of work on that already. Um, we're very excited, um, so I think what we have to be doing is anticipating, I mean, listen, you've seen a huge jump in the standard from season uh, one to two, right? Uh, and there's obviously certain areas where the game's improved. So we have to be anticipating now between season two and three, what are gonna be the huge areas of improvement? And we've got, a, we've got an idea of where they are. Um, so we're, you know, working and researching on how best we can exploit some of those areas. Uh, and then obviously the big one is recruiting, uh, which is, you know, is, it's a great process. Um, we've, you know, we've got great plans in place now about, about making the plan a reality. Um, but you've seen the impact that our recruitment had last year. Uh, and I think we're going to be looking for a similar impact this year.
5: Um, well, go on. Yeah, well, Rob, well, I, I see you've parked in a parking spot, and so I yes. want to thank you and your wife for your time on the drive. <laughs> in in thanks, enjoy really. your couple days, couple of days off, and and, and good luck um, taking a break and with your plans for the uh, um, for the off season.
6: Thank you, Pete, and thanks for all the uh, coverage uh, this year. We've really enjoyed it. All the best, Rob. Thanks, mate.
5: Take care. Thanks. Bye. Bye. There is Rob
1: Hoadley. He'll be back in 2020 looking to go one better with the San Diego Legion. Well, folks, that wraps up the show. I hope you enjoyed some insights from our players and coaches in Major League Rugby. We'll be back next week as we'll start digging into the off-season, all the news and notes, and start our reviews and previews for 2020 of uh, all the Major League Rugby teams. For Aaron Castro, our producer, for Pete Steinberg, I'm Dan Power. Thanks a lot for tuning in.